Welcome back to the Wealthy Idiot Show, everybody. Uh, we got DC back here. We're going to cover some topics that are happening in the news. Lots of interesting things going on, so we got to talk about it. We got tax season coming. The Federal Reserve is being spicy still. But most importantly, how's it going, DC? What do we got going on? Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, I want to touch on our little uh, side conversation quick. You know, long week at work. I'm enjoying an old-fashioned. I see you have something in front of you, so this is a, a Maker's Mark old-fashioned. What do you have? Ooh, man. I love old fashions. Um, I got a nice place down the street that has them on tap, which is pretty good. Um, I'm drinking rum straight, rum neat, in a bullet glass. Because, you know, nothing more Marine Corps than that right there. Absolutely. I uh, I would have thought you would have upgraded by now, but we won't go there. So. <laughs> man, rum's the business. Check this out. Uh, this guy right here is this book. There you go. Is called Rum the Manual. Okay. Like, it's the entire manual on rum. Like, where it came from, all the different kinds, how it's made. It's the whole thing, man. Yeah, I would have thought you could have went just, you know, a little higher shelf. But, no, don't worry about it. Disregard my comments. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm cheap, man. It's, yeah. it's The reason why I'm doing well is because I invest all my money. And Absolutely. I don't spend it on, uh, you know, fancy pants stuff like old fashioned. Definitely. It's how we become wealthy idiots. Howdy folks, Cowboy AJ here. I just want to interject real quick to let you know that we are giving away $500 to one of our first 10,000 subscribers. Right now we're almost at 2,000 subscribers. Once we get to 10,000, we'll do an episode where we randomly select one of our subscribers to send them $500. Make sure you subscribe and don't miss out. Let's get back to it. So uh, <laughs> you want me to go ahead and kick us off? or? Yes, sir. Hit us with the first article. What do we got? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go ahead and start it. Um, I think the the first one speaks for itself. But we're just going to talk about the uh, fact that it's tax season, and there's some interesting articles about, you know, uh, the IRS's actions, and you know, kind of like what they do to people. So I'll throw this up on the screen first. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean that's a uh, that's a bold statement. So I do want to point out that I've looked into the data behind this a little bit, and the IRS is really bad about supplying clear data on things like audits, um, sexual orientation, mm. race, gender. Like basically, the IRS doesn't want you peeking behind the curtains. So a lot of this is extremely hard to come by. Um, so with that being said, that's why it says about three to five times more because it's really hard to figure out what the actual number is. So there's a big range there. And I actually think it's gotcha. about 2.9 to 5.3. So it's even bigger. Um, anyways, uh, this is terrifying. And uh, it kind of tells a story. And I want to break a little bit into what the story really tells. Uh, if you look at the data behind IRS audits, because it is audit season. I got it. It's tax season, but it's also audit season for people that get audited. <laughs> mostly poor people. Um, you know, the audit rate is 12.7 out of 1,000 for people that claim the earned income tax credit. So typically people who claim the EITC are in poverty. Uh, and it is 2.3 per 1,000 for everybody else. So that's almost Did you change six... the, the article? No. So oh. I'm just talking. No. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yep. So, Sorry. I mean, we can, you know, we can sit here and talk about uh, the IRS is being discriminatory, which isn't super surprising because their algorithm is probably learning from certain things and it's picking up on data and then it would you know naturally have flaws but additionally the irs is blatantly auditing six times you know poor people compared to normal people or not poor people i mean six times that's a yep. crazy number 
So basically, if you claim the earned income in earned income tax credit, you should expect that you have a way higher chance of being audited than the next guy. I and mean, that's what it is. Um, this is horrible for the IRS or horrible for you. It's great for the IRS, I guess, or great for the government in general. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's terrible. Uh, I mean, talk about like the difficulties with getting audited if you're a low income earner. I mean, what's the what's the process look like? Yeah, for sure. So like, um, you know, I, we were talking ahead of time about this and like, I've got a lot of opinions about the IRS <laughs> and this doesn't help at all for like, at, you know, to show that they may be racist and they're picking on poor people is not particularly great. Um, my theory behind this is that the, the harder someone is to audit, like meaning that they're going to fight back, it ends up costing the IRS more money. So if you get an accountant that, you know, and let's say you have an accountant that's full-time, let's say you have a tax attorney that's full-time, let's just pretend that you're Donald Trump because that's the controversial figure that everybody thinks about yep. when it comes that's to tax example. returns, right? Um, when the IRS gets his tax return, it's filed by people who have all looked at it to make sure that everything balances out. And if you're an IRS agent and you're looking at this, even if you think it might not be legitimate – your only recourse is to like try to go ask for more information from people who are professionals at this, right? Like tax attorneys, people who are ready to fight you. The success rate of that is going to be really small. And how much resources would you waste trying to go after him just to get what could just be like a mistake on his tax return, right? So like, let's say his tax return was 750, you know, it was like 750 bucks. Let's say it's supposed to be a thousand or he was supposed to pay a thousand, right? So you're going to send an IRS agent out there, multiple IRS agents, spend the office's time trying to calculate this stuff up, you know, spend, you know, theoretically tens of thousands of dollars just to get an extra 250 bucks. It's not worth it. Meanwhile, the IRS can audit, you know, do, um, you know, you, you called out, what was the name of it? A, um, Paper uh, correspondence audit, or, audit correspondence audit, right? Yep. So that's just where they look at your stuff and they're just like, Hey, we think you added something wrong. You owe us 250 bucks. And oftentimes they don't even have to explain it. They just sort of send a bill to your house saying you owe 250 more dollars. Most people don't have the means to fight that first of all. And second of all, they would just rather pay that than to try and put any effort into it. And I know this from personal experience. Because the uh, the state of California sent me a bill for 150 bucks, I got on social media and complained about it. But like, what am I going to do after that? Like, actually spend time trying to fight it for them yeah. to tell me I still owe it? Act, go, you know, uh, get a tax attorney and spend thousands of dollars fighting a 150 dollar charge. So, what the IRS is going to do is it's going to pick on people they know can't fight them back, and they're just going to send correspondence audits to as many people as possible and they're going to collect tons of money doing that fighting the wealthy people is not lucrative for them it doesn't make financial sense and that's why we see more poor people and i would say probably you know lower maybe mid to lower class people are going to get audited um than actual wealthy people oh the other thing i pointed out too before the show was that your um cpa has to put their cpa number on your tax return Right, so the IRS even has like a record of who's hard to fight and who's not hard to fight. Absolutely, right. And they could see that. They could see it like, oh, this CPA, yeah, we don't want to mess with that. They'll just toss that and go on to the next thing, right? So if you're in TurboTax, just pumping in your own numbers, that that's a flag right there. They're gonna be like, oh yeah, we could go after this guy for a couple more bucks. 
Yeah, you're spot on. And that's, uh, you know, that's the biggest thing when, uh, you know, you're talking about Trump's team or any politician or any, you know, even the, what's the guy, Bankman Friedman or whatever his name is. The oh, yeah, Sam Bankman Fried. Yeah. So, like, you talk about these people, their legal teams, their CPA teams, their tax attorneys, like, they're the best in the business. So, I would wager that the IRS agent is immediately at a disadvantage. So, if he wants to try to prove wrongdoing, I think the burden of proof almost results or almost pins on the IRS in that case, not the individual taxpayer. So, I mean, if he's telling a team of 15 CPAs that Donald Trump's tax returns messed up, I would say he probably has to prove that vice the inverse whereas yeah if you you know you got a 300 dollars refund and the irs sends you a letter and says hey you owe us 26 bucks where do you even start so i mean i look yeah, at no my idea. forms do you look i mean i look at my forms so i use the oh, yeah. TurboTax desktop edition so you can actually pull the forms and look at them side by side mm-hmm. but how many people actually look at their tax forms i mean and how many people would know what they're looking for Right. Exactly. And that's so, the group that they target is the people who don't know what they're looking at. Yeah. And to be honest, if I ever get audited, I'm fully expecting the IRS to send me a letter that says something like, hey, we noticed you had a rental property expense of, you know, four hundred dollars. That seems high. <laughs> Do you have a receipt for that or something dumb along those lines, which would be easy to fight. Um, but at the same time, yeah. if they sent me something that said, hey, you have an unclaimed 1099 for four hundred dollars. I mean, I'd have to try to figure out, first of all, what 1099 it is. If I'm missing one. (laughs) With all the different cash apps now, like you got to dig through them and find a 1099 that you forgot about. Absolutely. So, I mean, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I think you're right. Uh, The IRS's algorithms naturally will get smarter and they realize that a certain demographic, whether it be, you know, race, gender, uh, income level, education level, I think it pins on demographics that tend to not fight uh, correspondence audits. And that's probably Absolutely. where this comes from. So um, is it 100% accurate? No. But is it fairly accurate? I would say absolutely. Uh, yeah. I would say the article's probably onto something. So yeah. with that being said, um, you know, we're just going to give you some tips. I think CNBC wrote a, a pretty good article on this. So we'll talk about some ways to not get audited. So there's four tips. You know, they keep this really simple. Oh, real quick, um, before, you, before you jump into this, um, I know that we say that we're not you know, we're not going to be political on this show, <laughs> but I'm going to, I want to say something political. I can't help it. Yeah. We do like, our best. Yeah. Yeah. The IRS just pisses me off so much that <laughs> it's hard not to be emotional about it. Um, someone pointed out this to me and I thought this was a really interesting point. The IRS and the income tax is the only place where you have to incriminate yourself, Right, We have the constitutional amendment that says that you could plead the fifth. You're not required to incriminate yourself. But once yep. a year, we have to give over all of our financial statements to the government and incriminate ourselves. And then we are charged a fee after we present all that information to them. Right, Which, you know, a fee being like what? A penalty for producing income. Right, yeah, you, And then you bring up a good you, point because... Yeah, like if you're audited, if if they fi- like if once you incriminate yourself and they're like, you know, now you owe a hundred bucks or whatever the case may be, and then you're audited, you you know, you made the statement like, you know, you, they have to kind of prove your guilt, you know, after the fact, but only for people that can afford to fight that case. Everyone else has to prove their innocence, so there is an appeal process for this, you know, like if you were to get one of these correspondence audits and the appeal process goes through the IRS, 
So imagine the IRS telling you, you owe $100 because you told us all this incriminating information about yourself. So here's the fee for existing in this country. And then you also (laughs) owe us an extra $100 because we determined you did it wrong. And if you think that the IRS is wrong, you get to call the IRS and argue against the IRS to the IRS about the IRS's mistakes. And then you hope to God that someone's reasonable. I was like, that's the whole process of how that works. All right, I'm done yeah, ranting. You're, you no, go. you're right. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a good description. So basically, you're providing them with the initial evidence to make their case, if that makes sense. So yep. it's almost like, you know, you commit a crime, like let's say you rob a bank, and before the police ever start investigating you, you just turn over all the evidence and say, hey, I'm not guilty, but here you go. Oh, <laughs> like, oh speaking of which, like, you brought up a, good, a new good point. In the IRS tax code, it says that if you made income from any illegal activity, you have to report it. Yeah, because I'm sure that happens. Yeah, well, the reason is, is because if they didn't put that in there, then and you didn't report that income, then they can get you on an on another violation of the law, which is not reporting the income from a legal activity, Correct. and they can add that on to your crime. Yeah, so it's just see, to like create another crime. crime. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're all right. right. So, all right, uh, I'll let you jump off your your all right. horse yeah, real you're, quick. Back to you. Yep. Back. To you. Sorry about that. Yep, so we're just going to talk about some uh, some flat red flags for an audit. And uh, again, I would say these are pretty good red flags. So first, excessive credits or deductions. You know, uh, there's that hysterical clip from, uh, what's it called? The the show with the, was it Shit's Creek? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's that hysterical scene where he's talking about all the stuff he bought for the store <laughs> and how it's a write-off. And he's going to write off people. <laughs> Yeah, so, and I've, I've met these people in person. I had a guy I used to work with that, you know, he would talk about how he'd write off all of his work clothes because he can't go to work naked, so the clothes are a, an expense in the IRS's eyes. And I'm like, no, it's not. That is I mean, not a valid expense. So, I mean, maybe not according to the IRS, but I'm buying it. I mean, yeah, you I mean, sold me. I'm already into it. Yeah, I can see it. But um, <laughs> nonetheless, you know, if you claim, if you make 50 grand a year and you claim that you gave 40000 to your church, I'm going to go ahead and say that's a just a bright, blinking red flag right off the bat. Um, <laughs> you don't have the money to donate to the church, and you left yourself with ten grand. I mean, that's pretty obvious. So while you're filling out your tax return, don't be stupid. And also don't kind of fall in line with some of these shady tax preparers that will be like, mm-hmm. oh, I do this for everybody. It's fine because the IRS isn't dumb. They'll figure out that person's doing that as well, and then they'll just flag all those returns. So just be aware of that. Um, so your buddy from down the streets, tax preparer, isn't always the best person to go to. Um, <laughs> missing income. So this is pretty simple. This is one of the easier ways the IRS gets you. So they have what's called a tax transcript, and it's not your tax return. So a tax transcript is actually all the money that the IRS was re- was reported to the IRS, all the income throughout the year. So if you have W-2 earnings, your employer sends that info to the IRS. If you have a 1099, that info goes to the IRS. So those numbers, the IRS is looking for a general balance. So if you send a return in that shows you had a hundred grand in income and they're like, well, holy cow, we have 200 grand just in W2. Clearly you have a problem and their numbers aren't going to match right out of the gate. So that's an easy way to get audited. Um, Don't try to game the game in that area. You'll lose. Um, Refundable tax credits. So uh, this isn't so much of a... This is not so much of an audit risk anymore because the tax systems you use, like TurboTax, TaxSlayer, and those will catch these on their own. But mm. this is a taxpayer, 
you know, notice pretty much, hey, uh, some tax credits are not refundable. Meaning if you don't have, um, if you haven't paid income tax, you can't get that tax return. So if you have uh, no tax liability, you can't get that tax, you know, that tax credit for, you know, whatever it is. Um, so basically uh, you have okay. to have some kind of tax owed to the government in order to get that. So just keep that in mind. Um, and then round numbers. So this is always fun. I had this conversation with a coworker a couple <laughs> years ago. Um, you know, he talked about how all of his charitable donations were 500 or $499. I think it was, I think that was like the limit of where a single donation gets scrutiny. And he's like, yeah, all my donations are $499, all like 25. Of them. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And if, you know, I like to consider myself fairly smart. If I had the job of an IRS auditor and I see that, I mean, I'm absolutely going to send a correspondence audit on that. I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just... Anything that looks just too well-rounded. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's just way too easy. So, again, we're trying to give you these tips because some of these things, even if you're filing taxes yourself, are very avoidable. And also, full disclaimer, um, like the married filing joint uh, standard deduction is like 27700 hmm. So your charitable donations most likely don't even matter. In all honesty. So mm. you shouldn't even be entering them unless you're making 500 grand a year and donating 100,000 a year. You're not going to hit it. So just don't even worry about it. Gotcha. But those are but some all of our tips. All of Go our ahead. watchers are like super rich. So they're going to need to know. Yeah, they're going to be super rich. They may not or be they? yet, but I mean, we haven't yeah. been that long. So. I see what you did there. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. So just some, uh, some general planning factors for you guys. I hope you look at them. Um, you can look up, a, if you Google uh, IRS audit flags, you can see extensive lists of the more frequent things people get audited for. So um, you can see what income brackets get, what percentage of audits. You can look at all the stats on that. So I recommend looking at it. It'll give you an idea. It'll even tell you what income brackets have what average charitable donations and things like that. So useful information. So you can use all that data to uh, lie to the IRS. I mean, That's what? No, what don't do that. <laughs> that is not what I said. <laughs> I mean, that's what I took away. Can you put like a disclaimer at the bottom? I want to make sure it's clear that I did not say that. <laughs> yeah, please. You know, I'm joking around and, you know, I'm a little bit of rum in. So obviously, you know, yep, the, the thoughts in my head are coming out a little, a little easier than normal. But don't like, you know, I can't stress this enough. The IRS already knows everything, right? And, you know, DC pointed that out already. All the financial institutions are already sending stuff to the IRS. The only thing that they don't know about is, like, cash transactions, like if you hand cash over to someone else. But if you suddenly show that you're spending a bunch of money, then that's also, a uh, like, a giant red flag. So, like, if your income is showing $30,000 a year and suddenly you have a Ferrari, they're going to wonder where that cash is coming from, right? So, you know, they've designed the system in a way where you're at a tremendous disadvantage, and I'd rather you all just not go to jail because you think you can get spicy with it and get a couple extra hundred dollars on your tax return. Just don't Absolutely. do it. It's not worth it. Yep, for sure. So um, the segue on this, I pulled up another article. Uh, this is kind of a... I wouldn't want to say it's late breaking news, but it's getting a lot of scrutiny lately. It's actually been delayed for a year. So the hmm. IRS, uh, as part of the American Rescue Plan uh, 2021, which was passed by Congress and signed by the president, uh, actually stipulates that they're raising the threshold for 1099 requirements. So for um, 
P2P platforms. Those are things such as like PayPal and Venmo. Uh, they used to have a $20,000 limit and 200 transactions in order for the provider, uh, PayPal or Venmo, to be required to submit a 1099 to the IRS. They were reducing that threshold to $600 uh, regardless of number of transactions. So this is a pretty big deal. Uh, there is a some questions around this regarding like what if you're not using the goods and services option on the platform? You know, so what if I have 100,000 in transactions, but I don't claim any of them as goods and services? That's not clear. Um, Venmo makes it pretty clear that they think that doesn't qualify, but I'm not sure about the IRS. So nonetheless, uh, this has been pushed back till 2023 tax year because it's gotten so much scrutiny. Uh, but I think the moral of the story is like, hey, we already acknowledge that the IRS audits poor people almost six times more than everybody else. So what are they going to do? They're going to start scrutinizing PayPal transactions and Venmo transactions and all of the above. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, Donald Trump and Mitt Romney and all those super rich people are absolutely using Venmo all the time. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> like, there's no yeah. way they're handing out, handing out briefcases of money or using, I don't know, wire transfers? Like, am I right? <laughs> well, I mean, Romney sends me a couple hundred bucks a month. He doesn't send that to you? Are you nah, missing out on this? Where does nah, sign up sheet? <laughs> now nah, you got to just be on the ins, man. It's all the all the cool kids that put their dogs on the top of the cars. We okay. all get to uh, we all get in you, this club where he gets to send us money. I mean, why haven't we seen news articles that say like Warren Buffett, you know, used Venmo for five million last year? Because he didn't. <laughs> Warren Buffett <laughs> transferred all, like a whole bunch of you know tech stock using Venmo. Yeah, how many friends yeah. can you reimburse for pizza on Venmo? I mean, five million is unreasonable. There, there's yeah. no way. So I think Warren Buffett is not using it in that manner. Um, yeah, I so think here's this the deal. Is, yeah, this is targeted to the lower class. 100%. 1099s are an alternate income um, document, uh, statement, right? So, like, if you make dividends, you get a 1099 div, D-I-V. Um, there's a 1099 yeah, int, which is consolidated brokerage interest. statement. yeah. Which is an interest payment. You get a 1099 if you have Airbnbs. The, like Airbnb will send a 1099. So the 1099 is a statement that is both sent to you and it's also sent to the IRS. So the IRS knows how much money was in these transactions. They have it already, right? So we were talking about that a minute ago, how they yep. kind of have this information. A 1099 is not required for really low amounts of transactions because the IRS does not care if you got your buddy back for buying you Taco Bell that one time and you sent him 20 bucks, right? They don't want to know those. It's too low and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't affect the tax system anyways because there's nothing in the tax system that says that you have to pay on income for your buddy getting you back for Taco Bell. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. But they're, they're looking at, you know, $600 transactions on these peer-to-peer -peer platforms, 600 plus as being like business transactions from here on out is essentially what's happening. So they're saying you're producing some sort of income. It doesn't matter if it wasn't income or if it's like, you know, hey, I'm paying the rent and you pay me back and that happens to be $800. Yep. It doesn't matter to them. They're viewing you as a business now and they want you to justify whatever it is that's on that statement to them when you file your taxes. And you're going to have to figure that out at some point. And what, you know, DC's pointing out, so this is to the audience, what DC's pointing out here is that, you know, Warren Buffett isn't getting his buddy back for rent for 600 bucks. 
No. He's also not like, you know, he's not making a bucket ton of money from people sending him $600. He's not going to get a 1099 for Venmo. The people who get 1099s for Venmo are small businesses like the photographer I just paid to take photos of a house, right? Um, the guy that I paid who is going to deliver stuff um, that I need for, you know, a project. Those are the people that are taking Venmo payments, right? And essentially small business. And what they're looking for is they're looking to see if you're actually reporting all this income on your statement, if you're running some sort of business or side hustle. And that's not rich people. That's, that's middle-class and poor people, the same people who get the constant amount of audits. And I think what yep. they're hoping for here is that if they can catch people using this new 1099 system for $600, it's going to reduce the amount of effort they put into auditing. Right. Yep. Which will create more income for them and also oh, yeah. reduce expenses. Yeah, I agree. And there's a so there's another problem with what you what you just talked about. So you know you get a 1099. So when you get a 1099 from Airbnb, you know exactly what to do with it. Um, you're creating a cost yeah. basis that gets taken off of the 1099 reported income. So yeah. yes, the 1099 may say you made as even number 100 grand in rent on an Airbnb, but you paid, you know, 20 grand over the year for cleaning and you paid 10 grand for landscaping and, you know, so on and so forth. So all that money comes off the top. But if people start catching random 1099s, you know, how's the average taxpayer going to be able to justify a basis on that? Exactly. Like, I mean, um, like the rent they... example. Oh, yeah. How am I going to show that that's not actually income? That's just me paying the rent and you paying me back. Yeah, I, I don't know. And the one example I've seen a few articles mention is like if a parent is paying a kid for their rent away at college. Ooh. So like if you're if you're paying your kid fifteen hundred a month, I mean you're talking it could be you know seventeen thousand a year. That's a large sum. How do you justify that? That's not income for the student. Now you and I both know that could be a gift and not ever be taxed because the gift limit is what like eleven point five million, I think. But that's not the point. Then you have to fill out a gift tax yeah. form to track but gifts then, over your lifetime to your kid. Like, it's crazy. Parent, yeah, parents spending money on kids' education costs isn't counted as a gift either. No, it's not. Right? Because, like, if the parent just paid the, the kid's rent, like, out of their own pocket, there would be no issue there. Right? But paying the kid to then go pay it yep. is now causing issues. So what this tells me is, like, if you're using a peer-to-peer -peer platform for anything over $600, you got to be real careful. Um, and you know what? Like, just thinking about it off the top of my head, one of the things I do for people is I will buy them things, right? And then they pay me back, right? So, like, um, if, if you've got, like, a discount with the company you work for and, and someone is like, you know, oh, like, you know, get me that product. And so, yeah. oh, I go buy it and they pay me back over, like, Apple Pay or you know, Venmo or whatever. Now I'm going to have to figure out how to not yeah. get taxed over and that. Cause it's we not actually income. About this. That's funny that you say that. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely right. So that makes it challenging. Um, and again, I'm, I'm going to go back to the same point. You're talking about the lowest income taxpayers are the ones that aren't going to be able to fight this. So, I mean, I get mm -hmm. it. If you say, Hey, this guy, everyone gets a $600 1099. That doesn't seem like a lot. But if you take 12% of 600, I mean, you're talking $66 in tax income. So $66 times what? 140 million taxpayers. That's a lot of, yeah, that's a lot of income. That's a gallon so, of gas, man. Yeah, that's absolutely more, a little bit more. 
Um, so, <laughs> oh, not in California. That's that's about a gallon of gas. Sixty-six. Yeah. Pounds. So I mean, at the end of the day, this is exactly what we would expect from the IRS. They're doing the same thing they've always done. Um, they're finding ways to just pound it to the poor. Um, in the meantime, you know, the media kind of plays the opposite of this. They spend their whole time talking about how you know we hate the rich and we need to eat them, and then they just continually eat the poor, which is backwards of what they're saying they're doing. It's confusing to me, and. Oh, I had one statement I wanted to read. I just thought about this. Um, The IRS commissioner made a statement. Um, I'll I'll segue because this is something I wanted to touch on. But the IRS um, recently got $45 billion in funding in order to bolster enforcement. And I'm using air quotes. Enforcement. Like, I would imagine enforcement means enforcing the tax code. And the most meaningful way to do that would be through audits, right? So that's what I think it is. Um, You know, but the IRS commissioner came under fire for this. People asking like, hey, what is this all for? And and he clarified and he made a very clear statement. I want to I'm going to quote him exactly. So IRS Commissioner Charles Reddig said the resources won't increase audit scrutiny on small businesses or middle income Americans. Okay. so what about lower income Americans? Yeah, we don't care about them. No, he he only said middle and business owners are kind of excluded. <laughs> so well, because that leaves a lot of people. More than likely, business owners are already reporting this stuff properly. Otherwise, they'd be getting in Usually. trouble. Usually, yep. Right, and middle class Americans are probably not too worried about it because they'll figure it out. Like you know, they can afford a CPA and they can figure it out. It's going to be the low class Americans, you know, the poor who can't figure this out. Yep, that's what's going to yep. happen. So absolutely. And then, uh, you know, if you trust the IRS commissioner, great. Um, I don't know that I do, but nonetheless, that's beside the point. Fun fact. One more. The the IRS agents carry firearms and the Department of Treasury has more ammunition than any other department, including the Department of Defense. Fun fact. That is weird. So at some point, the IRS is going to go to war with with poor people, like literally. I don't don't really know how this is going to go down. Yeah, I think this is going to be a movie. This sounds like a Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah, uh, yeah. When I said fun, uh, sarcasm. Yeah, no, I got you. Yeah. Um, so, and one more piece on that. You know, I've done some digging on the IRS because there was a lot of reports about how the IRS wants to hire eighty-seven thousand new agents. Ooh. You remember that number kept getting thrown out. Uh, so is there that exactly... many people without souls on the planet? <sighs> I think so. So they they didn't actually <laughs> say that. I actually wanted to find the root of that number. And in twenty twenty one, the IRS released a report. And they stated that in order to properly um, enforce the tax code, they would need 87,000 more full-time positions. Gotcha. That makes a ton of sense. And then that's when their budget got increased. So then people just equated the two. Like, this is what they asked for and they got it. They got $45 billion and everyone said, hey, they said they need 87,000 people. That has to be what it's for. Well, maybe not, but they did say they want 87,000 people. So gotcha. you can marry the two i don't know um yeah but i again it all comes back to the irs hating poor people <laughs> i mean amen if, if you know of another way to describe it let me know nope i mean that's about it man like you know like i said the, the, the irs just ticks me off as just an organization as a whole the entire tax code is complex not because they're trying to find ways to stick it to wealthy people the tax code is complex because they're trying to find ways to make it look like they're sticking it to wealthy people while sticking it to poor people. 
That's at the end of the day, poor people, you know, they, they transact more cash than anyone else on the planet. Like poor and middle class transact more cash. And I know that's confusing because wealthy people control a lot of wealth, but wealth is ownership in companies, yep. right? It's not, it's, it's not something that's trading hands, so it's extremely hard to tax. But money trades hands in the poor and middle class, and that's – like if let's say the IRS was a business – and they were looking for their target group of like, how do we find more money? They would target these groups because that's the groups that is transacting more cash yeah. than anybody else, um, which makes sense. And so the whole thing is designed for that, you know? And so, you know, I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news. Um, the positive side is that, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod, follow wealthy idiots because we um, talk about the best ways to avoid taxes now. And later when you get to retirement, right? So you yep. can be like the wealthy people and, and take advantage of these, you know, loopholes. I don't know. I don't really like calling them loopholes, but just, you know, Pieces take of advantage of the way the system is built so that yep. you can be successful. And we're teaching it here. You just got to pay attention, yep. listen, follow, subscribe, wink. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, again, you know, we wanted to give you guys some tips, talk about some IRS habits. I'm going to call them habits. They're bad habits. I mean, really <laughs> bad habits. But, um, you know, we want to give you some tips on how to avoid these pitfalls. April 18th is coming soon, so make sure you file your taxes. It's your American duty. I'm looking at all of you. Oh, that sounded horrible, but it's what it is. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Well, thanks for bringing that, DC. Appreciate it. You know, we gotta we gotta cover the topics that are important and are gonna impact people. And this is the one that's gonna impact the most people coming up here pretty soon. So, <coughs> oh, excuse me. So okay? uh, I appreciate you. Yeah, <laughs> I just <laughs> forgot how to breathe real quick. <laughs> so no, I appreciate you bringing the, the articles. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the information and letting me um, go off on some rants there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. So everybody out there, if you like today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. All right.